0: Welcome to the Circuit of
1: Success. I'm host Brett Gill, And today I've got Jeff Eshleman with me. Jeff, how you doing?
0: Outstanding, sir.
1: Awesome. Well, it's good to be with you today. Where are you where are you calling in from again? I forgot to ask you that Phoenix. Phoenix. I just got off the phone with a cl- client yes, but the desert's covered today, don't I? Warm. <laughs> it's, I, I bet it is warm, man. It's crazy crazy there. I know, but they but they always say it's the heat, right?
0: It is definitely that. So is another.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, you are a guest that I'm excited to have on on here today. You got uh, 30 years of experience from uh, combat in Iraq uh, all the way to the corporate boardroom. You're a sought-after expert building and scaling results-driven teams, uh, and your leadership style characterized by by personal development, consistency, and uh, tenacious work ethic, which I love. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about that, but that, but if we can't let's start with what I always start with is what's made you the man you are today. You you don't just go go to Iraq and the boardroom and room and all the things mentioned, uh, without a backstory. And so I'd love to hear that.
0: Right. It, It really starts, you know, from a pretty, I was pretty fortunate to have a great upbringing folks that had instilled really good core values in me, but I was a little bit of a a wallflower uh, before going into the service. And when I went into the service, it was really, really life-changing for me. It took, you know, all those fundamentals that I'd learned from my folks. And it really, it really shaped who I was going to be. And then ended up being extremely pivotal through my entire leadership development and career. It, it, it was really back to my, my father was a house cleaner here locally, and so I grew up on residential home job sites here in the valley. And that's really where I think those core values came into play with the leadership skills that I learned in the military.
1: Yeah. Did you know you wanted to go into the military at an early age, or what? What made you join the
0: military? I I just refer to it as a calling. So I, I felt something in, in my heart that said I wanted to serve and I, I didn't want to do the typical four-year stint. And so anything that you were going to sign up for, at least in the Army and the era when I joined, had to be combat related. And my dad was a, a U.S. Marine, Vietnam era, even though he didn't go to Vietnam. And he always told me, either go in the Air Force or go in the Navy because he'll teach you something. And so uh-huh. of course I joined the army. And that I joined the army, I joined the infantry because it was the two year stint. And I figured, you know, I would I would get what I was expecting out of it. Well, obviously I ended up getting I ended up getting way more than you know what I had bargained for. But that those experiences, Brad, that that was like the the forge, right, of shaping who my or what my Personality and characteristics with it. Yeah,
1: you know, I'm always fascinated. I, I love the military. I'm actually, in fact, I I can look right now from my view, my view here. See Scott Air Force Base. I can't see it because of the trees, but no, right, where it's at. So we so we have one of the, the biggest, best, best air forces in the country right here up the road from my office. And and um, but I, but I, but what I'm sitting there with, with and I've talked to military people because the problem growing up, you know, my kids growing up in a military, military bay town as well as well that. You get really good friends and then they leave you, right? They leave you about every, every third or fourth year and it's tough, it's tough. And so I always, I always joke when I'm a military guy or gal, I'm like, I don't want to be that good friends with you because you're just leave me again and again in three or four years. And so we joke around about that. But my point to this is I love the goal of the military from what, from what I've learned. I, I draw the wisdom that they share with me from a business standpoint is in the military, there's, there's clarity. We know the mission. We know why we're going there. So there's clarity. There's a plan. And right we show up show up game plan on what we're going to do we practice a game plan oh by the oh, by the way we practice the game plan again and then we execute and 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 i think if you can take that that from to your point here the you know from Iraq to combat to to the boardroom those are always the things i like to draw parallels to is that they're so clear on where where they're going right they know, they know the plan and what if what if i do that from a business standpoint no matter what i did for a living if i had clarity. There was a plan. I practiced, I practiced and I executed it. How would life look for me as a business
0: owner? Absolutely. And, and I think the piece that I would add to that, that was really pivotal for me was the teamwork piece, right? And so the military gave me two different things. One, it gave me an inner confidence that there was nothing that I couldn't decide that I could accomplish personally and then do it. And especially the physical part of the equation, but it was also mental, right? Because a big part of any physical journey is the mental piece, right? If you've ever ran a marathon, anything like that, you know, about mile, mile 19, it, it is no longer physical. It's well, it is physical, but it's mental as well as physical. Right. And the other piece would be the teamwork and seeing teams work together. In that fashion and at that level, that is another thing that I was able to take into my corporate life that really made me successful in the very beginning stages. Even being a superintendent out on the job site where I was literally running work before I became an executive, and I was getting all these folks that showed up on the job site to play at a higher level because I really seemed to open up yeah,
1: so when you talked about about mental and and and, and all to two and and what what came to my mind when you are talking about, about that is fear and and the the men is I can't imagine being on that airplane, lying, knowing I'm going to war right Cause, right because in the marathons, and I know in a marathon I'm going to run I'm gonna, I've, never, I've never ran a marathon but if I did I did I could run I put my preparation in, but at the end of the day this is not my mentality but yeah I could st- could stop if things went south right. But in military, I'm getting dropped off to a a war. You can't just be like, oh, sorry, guys, not feeling it today. I'm out, right? I'm going where bombs blowing. There are are guns being fired. Walk us through that that mental side for for you on that that plane and knowing where the hell you're going.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll take it even one further than the plane flying over. It was... I, I drove an armored personnel carrier, so I crossed across the border from Saudi Arabia into Iraq, and that was literally the, the most terrifying experience I've ever had in my life. And my biggest fear heading into that, Brett, was that I was going to fail, right? And I, I was worried that I was going to fail my team, so there was me and three other people on this armored personnel carrier or the broader team being the United States Army, or the broader team being my country that had sent me over there on a mission. And so what I tell people about the experience or just this experience in general is, I had to be bigger than I was capable of being individually, right? And that's where you get that lift up when you're a part of a team or you're a part of a a mission that is well articulated and and I'll tell you how that translates into my life after I got out of the service. And we can go there if you want, but you know, I've, I've had a period in my life where I wasn't making very good choices and I had to fix a lot of things. One of the things is at one point in my life, I was more than a hundred pounds of weight. And the the reason I tell you that is to tell you that I used running to fix, as well as my mindset to fix that problem. Huh. And so I've ran I don't know. Probably six, seven, or eight marathons. I ran one ultra marathon, wow. and my mindset going into any one of those is that I will never, flip, right? Not a, I mean, I, not a big Goggins fan, but you know, like that mindset about you're yeah. going into a particular situation, and it does not matter what your mind tells you that your body is capable of. I'm not going to stop that. I think that Ulta Marathon was six hours and 18 minutes because you know I was a big boy and a lot of running. But it's a it's a knowing. That's what I refer to it. That yeah. like I'm not going to stop. And and that was a really early seed of that was that military experience. Yeah.
1: So how do you do that? When you're 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 going to Saudi Arabia, Arabia, Iraq border, you're you know, you think about you said, you know, your team that's with you, your team, the military military, your country. It's a lot of weight, right? And so you talk talk to the man or when listening to this that's walking to the boardroom right now and they've got those fears because of this presentation they've got to, got to give or they get that client or whatever it may be like how do you actually get through that though and still still perform and and still actually the mission and even if you're scared
0: right so i would equate what we're talking about here i mean it's, it's really similar so i've given a lot of toastmasters speeches or presentations in front of a board things of that nature and The number one, I don't know if it's the number one, it's probably in the top three tools that I use is something that I call I'm excited, right? Instead of labeling that Uh feeling that I'm having as fear or anxiety or any of the other thing, any of those other emotions that are detrimental, right? If you name it something different, like I'm excited, and then you go into that opportunity, and and here's how I think it. it's the same as... Gratitude, for example, when you put your focus on something outside of you, so if you're going into that boardroom presentation or you're going into that meeting with the customer, you're thinking about the customer more than what you're thinking about you or how am I going to show up or how am I going to come off? If you can put the focus on the mission of the organization when you're giving the presentation, or the value of what you're going to be able to help that client with, to me, that is the most, again, probably top three most powerful things, are used to over overcome those feelings, right? It's, it's basically just rebounding.
1: Well, it is. If you're focusing on others versus you know, you can't focus on yourself. That, that's where where fear and fear and anxiety stress comes in, and then now you are. You know you know thinking yourself you're not you're not doing on your mission that's most important you know our mission here is to help people achieve a, f- a future greater than the past And going into the into this thing about oh my gosh i hope, hope i don't mess up or i hope i don't i don't do this yes that comes with comes with experience and time but man i i gotta focus on the mission of helping that person i'm getting ready to, getting ready to set down with exactly yeah yep. exactly. well um I know you're in, in creating a life of harmony. And, and when you hear me say that, what comes, comes to mind? How do we create, create a life of harmony with, with the crazy world that we live in today? Notifications and tea and media and all this. How do we do it?
0: Be intentional. And so what I mean by that is, well, first of all, let's I, for any good conversation in harmony, we'll start with goofing a little bit on the term work-life balance. And I I started with saying that that was a myth, but where I've evolved to is just saying it's the wrong measurement. Like, are we supposed to believe that we're supposed to put like work in one of these? Like, think about an old apothecary scale. Are we supposed to put work in one bowl and anything else from our life in the other, and then somehow they're supposed to balance out? Like, that's not how life works. So, what part of me for me is is these Intentional practices that I employ, Brett, and I have a, I have, for example, what I call my one page plan for life and I have everything that is my core values, my core competencies, my purpose, my goals for the year, my goals for the month, all live on a document that I call my one page plan. And basically this is a direct lift from what I use in business. To run a successful organization. But you know how life works. Just as soon as you have your great little one page book yourself and you start running off into life to let it happen, what's life gonna start doing for yeah, you? It's gonna yeah, throw it's
1: throwing you balls, you. balls right? right?
0: It's gonna start throwing you curveballs, it's gonna start throwing you left hooks, and maybe sometimes it throws you straight out gut punches, right? Think about right. a global panda. And so you have to have, I believe. You need to have an effective process in place that I call my day of Zen. And so I take a day off every month. And the first half of the day is a wholesale reflection of what happened in the previous month. I just shot a little video here about a week ago that says when I did my day of Zen at the end of May. And I said, hey, are you the kind of person that says, wow, where did May go? Right? like I never with a capital N, never say anything like that because I don't let months sneak up on it, right? And the entire second half of my day is in, is planning out a plan to crush that next month. And so when I finished May, I had 32 things on a list that went well in May. And I had six things that I want to do different, which is code for better in June. And I built a plan to make that happen. And then the third part of my intentional process, I call Carpe Diem, right? So obviously Latin for seize the day. But it's a very intentional process that I use to what I call Brett operationalize what's on my one-page plan and make that come to life today. Right? Is May or pardon me, is June fourteenth? of 2023, and we're only going to get one of these. Yep. What we do every day matters way more than people give it credit for. I'm not talking about how well we sleep, how well we eat, how well do we do our nutrition, are we grateful for what we have, you know, I, I could go on and on.
1: Love that, man! It's so it's so it's so funny how, uh in line we are. So I I I pulled out here my you know one pager, my plan. You know my and I call them connected goals for 2023. I want to be connected, right? I want to be wanna be connected with goals. It, for me, it's my F to the sixth power. My my faith, my family, my my fitness, my firm, my my finances. Right? I list all those goals in the background. You can see them here when you when you're looking at it. There's pictures, there's pictures of my back here, right? There's our our visionary logo, our future greater than your pack logo. Like the, like the, these important to me. And every day I keep it in my journal. It's right here. I pull it out. I look. I look at it, and I start. I start to light the ones that we've done. You know, because I think that's important, right? And, and then I. Th- it's funny, funny because here's my my podcasting journal. It says Car- Carp Day DM. It. Isn't that funny? And that's what you you uh, mentioned there. So. I couldn't agree more. How how do we do that? So what's that process look like for you? Let's get into detail more on this Zen day. Where do you go? How do you do do it? What's it look like? Like,
0: Yep. So the tagline for my day is then I call checking out so you can check in. So first of all, what are you checking out of? Basically what you're checking out of is your day-to-day life. So I'm really good at training people in my life how to treat me. And that includes, you know, house and children and business and co-workers and things of that nature. So everybody knows on the day of Zen, they're not going to get a hold of me, Right. <laughs> Unless it's an emergency, you don't get me. And so you have to break the cycle of what you do every day, day to day routine. So you don't do this at your home. You don't do this at your office. I am a big fan of the outside. I love doing the places that are bigger than me, that are inspirational. I love driving up to the Grand Canyon or Sedona or just out in the desert to reconnect with something bigger and something slower than my day-to-day life. And again, I already mentioned you, you know, and I have a ton of written goals. I, I would, for what I typically tell people that I'm trying to achieve, you know, it seems like a lot. And I don't, I don't. None of my clients follow my program chapter and verse. I share what I do, I offer them the tools, I walk them through. Most of my clients do have a process of Zen in their life where they're taking either a whole day, a half a day, or at a minimum, they're taking, you know, three or four hours at the end of any given month to review through their previous and then build that plan. The other thing, Brett, in addition to just reviewing and reflecting, I like to think of the day of Zen as a chunk of time where I can I can just focus on something specifically, because we all know how this works, right? And life is dealing us changes, and that's what life does. Like I said, just as soon as you have your great one-page plan, life's going to start throwing you you know, curveballs. Yeah. And so the day is a great time for me to just review and reflect on two things. One, if life has given me a curveball, then that i mean going to reflect, say that's a child that's all of a sudden, you know, struggling in school or a parent that seems like they're going to need a different level of care going forward. In our day-to-day life, we don't really have, I call it the white space, right, to account time and think about these things. Or you can use the day of Zen, and I do this like throughout the month. I'll start adding things to my agenda for that day that I want to think about proactively, right? And so I've started this new, you know, entrepreneurial business venture for myself, and I'm, you know, busy in the, the effort of, you know, doing podcasts and working with clients and building a marketing plan and all of these things that entrepreneurs do. But if I don't carve out time, to intentionally think about specific elements of this. Of course, that could be any time during the month. How about a time that you have carved out where nobody's going to get a hold of you? It's a perfect time to do that.
1: I love it. I absolutely love it. I do quarterly um, about my strategic, strategic time and my little retreat for myself. And I'm with you. I go someplace inspiring. We, we don't have the mountains and everything you had in the Midwest and and St. Louis. You know, maybe going to Forest Park, you know, beautiful views in there. Maybe going going to the Four Seasons lobby. Maybe maybe going the Realton lobby. Maybe going on a nice golf course on their back deck and just dreaming and thinking, thinking. and it's just it's it's me, my Bernal, and and thinking and, and if I could add one thing and and maybe you this or not, but but I love it. at the end of each quarter I look back at the last ninety days pictures. I'm a, I'm a big pig guy. I write out or I write out all the pictures that I've ta- taken and what I'm thankful for for. Amazing when you actually, when you actually yeah, can physically look at that picture in your in your phone, on on how that feels and 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 it takes off right back to that moment and uh, it allows me to think think about the experiences but also allows me then that next step is what's the next ninety days going to be and what experiences can can we create a family, right? Just take some prep work,
0: and, so. and wholeheartedly agree to do the exact same thing. I call that taking stock. Right. So I do it in two ways. I, I create a folder. I have a folder for each month of the year and I collect and, and I've been doing this since 2009, where I wow. collect, you know, sometimes it could be a, a Well, here it is June, right? So it'd be a father's day card from my kid that's 12. Now a father's day card from when he was three years old. Right. Uh-huh. And so I collect things like that, that re- reward me to me. And so much like it's a place to go back and reflect on the good things that have happened in life, and it, it it encourages me to do even
1: more. Love it. That's that's solid. Solid advice, right there. Um, how how important to you is reading? So I'm am a big big reader. I said an April of six of sixteen. As I was the king of like, hey, I get a book. Somebody somebody hands it to me. Read thirty or forty or forty pages, and then it kind of just starts to collect dust. And then it, all of a sudden, it's, it's in a cabinet somewhere. And I and I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to start. Reading 10 pages a day. So 10 pages a day has resulted in about 22 to 25 books a year. There's people that read a whole lot more than that. I understand that. But for me, it's a big, it's a big deal. And now I've, now I've created a fake page uh, for those that like to read and want, want to share and be around like, like-minded people. It's called 1010Pages. 10, 10 Get out on Facebook, join the group. But how important, if, if at all, is reading to you You and what else would you have around, have around that?
0: Critical. And so I actually used, and I'll just call it personal development as the key to that change that I needed to make. I actually refer to now the year 2008 as a year that I had an awakening, right? Because as I alluded to before, I had a handful of things that weren't going so well in my life. My career was an example of a good thing. My relationship with my kids was a good thing, but... I was about to be divorced after you know being married to somebody the wrong person for 17 years, and about to be you know bankrupt, and I, and I'm not proud of any of these things, Brett, but I am proud that I was able to figure it out. I was able to start listening and better information from better people, and most of that came by way of books and audio tapes. And so I started my personal development journey. In 2009, and I have never, again, with a capital M, never stopped learning. And I constantly read, I think it's, it's the key, like, you know, good leadership, just like leading a good life is just like the analogy of climbing the mountain, because just as soon as you've gotten to the top of the mountain that you're going to, you're probably going to find another mountain, right? Yep. yep. way up the mountains through, intention followed by action. Right. Yep. And that, 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 that there was one caveat that all that we're talking about now is that you can't just you can't just read the 10 pages. You know, you know how do you apply them the next day? That's that, right. That, 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 that's another big thing that and that, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with my clients, that's the biggest part of the equation. Is, again, I use that term when I was talking about my carpe diem. How do you operationalize what you want?
1: So what's the one book if you had to rec- recommend, if, if, if I read it and I said, this is terrible, you'd pay me a hundred bucks because you know it's so good.
0: Well, there's pro- I, have, I have a list of recommended reading that probably has a hundred books on it and it's broken <laughs> down by category. I'll tell you the one book that I give away the most, and I give away, a, I, I buy a lot of books, 50 or a hundred at a time, built to give away. Wow! So one book is the book that I give to kids that are graduating from high school, kids that are graduating from college, and then I also give them, you know, a hundred dollar gift card so they have something cool as well as the book. But I give old Langdon Ranger's Secret. It's what Great I call book. it's what I call the most densely packed thirty two minutes of personal development in history, and not that I've read everything that there is in history, I haven't, but I've read most. and It is the most densely packed, 32 minutes. Yeah. And here's the way that I tell people to view the super prep, read it every, or listen to it, right? It's 32 minutes on on YouTube. Every day, every week for a month, every month for a year only 32 minutes long
1: if that doesn't change your life you're not doing it right i love it that is a solid book and i've, and I've got it in my office and i need to read to read it because i've it in years and uh you're right it is uh, that is a game changer of book so uh, let's take a, take a turn here and talk about culture um obviously culture is is, is important whether it's in business business sports the locker room it's really important to have the great culture for a, for a winning team um how do you help and what advice would you have for creating a just a top-level text culture?
0: Yeah. Culture is the people game, right? And whenever I talk about people, I use two words. This is long game, and you got to play small. When I said before, like, what you do on a day-to-day basis matters. It's super important, Right. And so I'm into the small things. I'm into, first of all, when you're allowing people on team, you know, whether that be a sports team or a corporation, like being very specific and having a high bar for who you allow on your team is table stakes. And, and I can't tell you how many CEOs or founders that I work with that don't even have job descriptions for the people they hire, much less crystal clear vision of who they're about to put on their team. Next is onboarding. Right? If you do a very thoughtful onboarding, whether that's hanging the jersey in the locker with the teammate's name on the back of it to be in or how you line somebody up with a battle buddy or somebody to be with their first. I had an old boss that used to say, every time we put somebody in the organization, the first week that they're here, it's just like they're back, in was great, right? Mm. It it is it is almost the same as that. So lining them up, making them feel welcome, but not just making them feel welcome. Equip them with the tools that they're going to need to be successful in their job. And then once you have team members on your team, whether it be new or the existing, what is your frequent communication? And how, you know, are you using KPI? Are you, how often are you getting together with your team and communicating the message? Because with culture, just like setting the high bar with people, as a leader, you always, and I mean always, should be reinforcing the message of what the vision of the organization is and what are our core values. And what do we want our customers to get out of this? And how do we want to feel about each other? And playing the small game with people, having a feedback loop to constantly give them feedback on their own performance and how their own performance is weighing into the performance of the overall culture of the company. Those, all of these things are critical. If if you're, and, and I was always on the journey for bring a great breath here, Operational excellence, right? So top quartile performance in every metric that could be measured in in your in your group or subset, right? Yeah. And people, people is the name of the game. Like you will win or lose with the people you decide. Yeah.
1: Well, so Starbucks just talks about? They're in the people business, not the not the coffee business, right? Create, create the experience. Right. Whether you like them or not, they they <laughs> they've built a pretty good business. Um, we think about that. that everything you use, and I, I agree. We agree with. How about feedback? How important is it even feedback up to the leader? Leader, And I say I say that because we've had a uh, meeting for years now. We call it 3 We were founded on March 24th. That was the day, the day we were founded in 2014 here at Visionary. And so we go to it. We meet my business partner, Tim Hammett, and I. You sit in front of the room. There's no agenda. There's no paper. There's no, there's no pre-message. It's been a game-changer meeting for us. We go there, and we just get the feedback my philosophy on that is, I don't want the water cooler talk to, to turn into a much much bigger, bigger deal. So about every about every eight we get together with locations, you know, the ones that are close to here, we get in person. Others, and others, we we in the phone and stuff. But how important is that to get feedback from from your people? So small things to your to your play small that smaller things don't turn into bigger, bigger things.
0: Yeah, you're of that process you just mentioned, getting together almost like a town hall, right? Like town hall. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, I think again, I'm going to go. You know, you need to go small. You need to go small here. When I say small, I mean you as a leader. Like, how do you keep your ego in check, right? Because how you act every day, how you show up, how you interact with your employees, your team. Like, do you are you the CEO and you have the parking spot that's you know the closest to the front door? Or do you give that to the person who works the hardest, you know, each month, and you let them right. have that space? And you walk from the outside, right? Simon Sinek wrote a book called "Leaders Eat Last," right, yep. which is a book that he wrote after shadowing a general in the military, right? And so these are good core principles, right? If you're, if you're much of your or if you're using too much of your own product, right, and your ego gets too big. You're
1: not going to be able to hear the message of the team okay. I like that very solid. so do you do that from from a standpoint of, I mean how I mean how you kind of go to um, you say crystal clear vision. you've got your one to one pager. How do you articulate that, and how often do you do that without feeling like like you're saying this thing over and over and over a team
0: so it i I believe it's um. You need to have a pattern of structured communication, right? And so the one thing plan for me is where that information lives. But then, as you mentioned, having like a, well, maybe you were mentioning in your, your Zen's course, we used to run a, a plan where we had a, a quarterly meeting with the entire organization, right? And so we would do a quarterly leadership retreat where we would, assess our quarterly goals and to build out the the next quarter's plan. And so we would use that quarterly meeting, to, and and we called it family business, right? And so we, we're not a family, we're a business. We want to treat each other as much like we can, like family, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So we need to speak frankly, like a good family, we don't stuff problems, we talk openly if there are problems, and then we celebrate successes, Right and we celebrate milestones. And that's great on a quarterly basis because if you string those together, right, four quarter is like four four quarter miles in a mile run. And now, how do you break it down beyond that? So we would have a a monthly KPI meeting, so everybody would like call in virtually, and we would do a, a KPI meeting. We were touching on all the vital metrics from the organization, and this is the leadership team and senior leaders reporting out to the rest of the group. right? This was our yeah. job to report out on. Now, obviously it was their individual performance that we're making up, but it's the leadership team's job to supply the metrics and how the team is doing, including the individual feedback. And then you break it down from there. I'm also a quick fan. I don't know uh, if you've done daily huddles, But I'm a big fan. I've been
1: doing daily huddles with my operations team since 2009. And it is super powerful. Dead out. We don't do do, daily huddles, but we uh, certainly huddle and talk throughout the day. day. That's good. Um, Last couple questions here. Habits and rituals. I ask you, or if if I follow around with a a camera every day, what are those no-miss items I'm going to see? That Jeff is doing day day in and day
0: out. Yeah. So I'll go, I'll turn to my Carpe Diem and my Franklin Planner here, which kind of dates that I'm a little bit of an old school guy. <laughs> and so, I, so I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to turn my coffee pot on and I'm going to meditate for 18 minutes. And yeah, I bumped yeah. that up from 2022 to 23 from 15 minutes to 18. I'm going to do 11 burpees every morning. Whether I want to or whether I don't, it doesn't matter what I want to do. I sit, I'm going to live to hundred. I'm going to live to at least 103 years old and doing burpees, which I think is one of the best exercises. Now, it's not the easiest, right? But it's one of the best well, exercises you can do for your your body. So why so 11? Because you know, heroes do more. Most people would do 10.
1: Okay.
0: All right. I like
1: <laughs> I love it. Meditation, or you use a meditation app, or do you just that in a quiet quiet room and breathe?
0: Quiet room and breathe. I do six minutes where I do follow my breath. I do six minutes where I do a mantra. And then I do six minutes where I call sending love. So I pick This is I'm from Darren Hardy. So I pick three different people every day. And I virtually send them love with my thighs. Lovely. And then I'm going to write in my gratitude journal. I'm going to fill out my carpe diem. And I'm going to get the getting. And at the end of the day, I'm going to meditate again for six minutes. I'm going to make sure that I do my physical activity. Like right now, I have a tool to make sure I get at least 6,000 cups every day. And so I take stock at the end of the day. I believe I believe a lot in AM and PM bookend. They're the your day that you have the most influence over.
1: Love it, love it, man. Love that that that. Uh, that's what's the question? I'm always interested in what great people are doing, and uh, and I, I agree with all those things. Things. Uh, last question for you. So fears. A lot of people put fears in our minds. Um, But how many fears or uh, beliefs, these fears you've put in your mind, and how many have blown up to the magnitude you've been in your your, your mind to be?
0: Less than 3%.
1: Yeah. Tell me more.
0: Yeah, our our brain is really good at protecting us. It's it's overly good at being able to protect us. It keeps us... it, it's it's reticular activating, right? So whatever we're telling ourselves, it, and if we don't tell ourselves something positive or where we're going, then we're going to listen to the thoughts that come up naturally. And and our human mechanism is built to keep us safe, right? It's There's that little part of our brain that's still protecting us from a saber toothed tiger, you know, jumping out of the bushes to eat us when we were a caveman. Except we're not cavemen anymore, right? And so, I actually have a tool that I use with my clients that I call percentages of time. And so, the percentage of time that you should spend in the past—again, this is Jeff's idea—is three percent. And think about how much waiting time you have in a day. And the time that you should spend in the future is five percent. Than that on this. You should spend that on your vision. And you should spend that on planning. I percent. The rest of the ninety-two percent is what you are going to
1: do today. I like it. Very clear. Be where your where your feet are at. Right?
0: That's
1: right. So Especially so clarity around where you're going. You have got your one pager. You've built a plan. You, you show gratitude every morning. Man, spot on, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: When I get together with my clients nine times out of ten, it's not show me the great plan. It's show me how you're working.
1: Yeah, how you work you're working the plan. How you executing. Jeff, this has been awesome, my friend. Where where do we find more of you? And uh where listeners uh, and go connect with you at.
0: Absolutely. The best place to find me is on my website. It's my name, so I'll spell it out for you. It's J E F F E S C-H-L-I-M-A-N. So jeffeschelman.com. And on my website, you can take a quick assessment to find out how much harmony you have in your life. I've got a video to kind of break down these three main tools that I shared with you today. Or people can hit me up the chat.
1: Awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks thanks so much for being on the circuit of success. It's uh, awesome having people like you in our world. Thank you for serving our country and what you did in Iraq. Greatly appreciate it, my friend. You can probably see my American flag right
0: here. Thank you so much.